Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. And, uh, welcome to another Bible study on the way. Greetings on behalf of Beth Yeshurun. Welcome those participating via Zoom or listening to our podcast or watching a recording on our YouTube website. It's Kurt Ranger speaking, and I'm grateful to Yahuwah Elohim, our Heavenly Father, for another opportunity to share a Bible study on the way. This continues a series about the commandments, words, and sayings of Yahushua, our Redeemer and King. The Gospel of John testifies of our Messiah and King, and this is his declaration recorded in John 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have a, a divine message for our walk along the way, and uh, today I'm going to open with a, uh, a prophet's message from our Bible, and it's just as relevant to us as it was to Yah's people centuries ago, Jeremiah 6.16, thus saith Yahuwah, stand ye in the ways and see. Ask for the old paths, where, the, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. Now, I've been pondering that uh, picture right there, and uh, it's helpful for me as I look at that that uh, it represents a journey through my life, and it, and it helps me envision the, the road that Yahushua is leading me on on my way to our Heavenly Father. Um, this is a pretty nice road, pretty flat, pretty straight. Got a double line there. So that implies there's some people going in the other direction, too. Mm -hmm. Keep that in mind when you feel like you're the only one going in a certain direction. Maybe it's part of Yah's plan. And you can see off to the uh, right or to the left, if you should wobble off the road, get into that gravel or or worse, you get into some cactus and some shrubbery over there. The good news about a paved road like that is you get uh, corrected pretty quickly. You feel it. If you're driving to, if I doze off on that road, you'll quickly feel that, that, uh, that you've left the road. So, uh, so my talk today isn't a, a teaching as much as it's uh, my sharing some of the things I've learned while studying the Bible and asking questions like these. Uh, on my way and perhaps you have other questions but you might want to contemplate these when you are just got your quiet time because it doesn't necessarily when you go in your prayer closet it doesn't have to just be praying you can spend some time meditating asking yeah questions so these are some of the questions that just came to my mind as I was looking at that vision where am I headed when will I reach the end what are my obstacles who will journey with me how did I get here? Why do I look to the past to guide my future? Because if you think a little bit about what Jeremiah was teaching us, he said, look to find the ancient path. That means looking back in time. So I have a, a thought for meditation for, that I want to share with you. It's a, the Hebrew approach is that the past is in front of and the future is behind. I found that uh, 
quote while I was reading an article called From How to Face the Future with Certainty by Remo and Fanny Beerfoot. And I didn't vet these, this, uh, I believe it's probably a husband and wife, but I wasn't even able to verify that. I tracked down, learned that that, it's an interesting name, certainly, not a name we see much here in America, and I tracked it down. I think they're in, from Australia. Yeah, they are. They're Australian, yeah. so Jory confirmed that. And uh, But I wasn't really able to vet them, and it doesn't really matter who, set, who came up. I just thought it was a neat idea because I've been pondering that, that even that prophecy. You know, I'm, I'm moving forward. Why does Yah keep saying, look, to the past, you know, uh, what, what's behind that? So, um, and they came, they, they, they put it in words right there. So I said, okay, let's see if that's true. And that's one thing I'm, I want to share with you is vet what you see, even something like a, a statement. And, and Remo and Fanny uh, did a great um, job in that article because they actually included it. Uh, it's a Hebraic perspective on time. And in fact, if any of you want to later come by and, and look, it's in this magazine I, I have here, so you can glance through this magazine that I brought and you can read the article. But I'm just going to share the highlights with you. Uh, and this is uh, a passage. This was not in their article, but I, I went back and I, and I checked out Job 8-9. For we were born yesterday, and that's the Hebrew word, tamul, and know nothing because our days on earth are a shadow. This did come out of their article. They, they uh, confirmed that yesterday is Tamul, and I went on my Strong's Concordance and verified that. And it refers to times past. Again, nothing surprising to this group here or any of us. wasn't certainly surprising to me. But it comes from a root word, a primitive root word. And, and those of you who um, study Hebrew, the Hebraic language, um, words build off of other words, and this word built off of uh, the word mul, which is H4136, and by implication it means the front or before. So I just want you to keep that in mind because I continued on with their article, and they also revealed that the word tomorrow in Hebrew is makar, and again that means indefinitely hereafter, a time to come, nothing interesting there. But the word of that is car, H4136, and it means to loiter or remain behind. So you can see the picture that they're getting there. Um, and, uh, and here's a good passage. I like this one from Proverbs, many wise things. This one seems especially pertinent about tomorrow. Do not boast about tomorrow, car, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. And I've got a couple of uh, ahas. I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, okay, I've got uh, Jeremiah. So let's dive into this in more detail in this study. So this study is going to be built on the canon of Scripture. And those of you uh, may know that canon is, uh, is a Hebrew word, kanah, in Hebrew. It's actually canon in Greek, and it refers to a measuring stick. And that's... Uh, and scripture is those divine scripture. I'm referring to those ancient inspired documents, those writings about Israel that, that speak of Israel's origin, history, and future. And 
Obadiah does a great job pointing out that that word Israel is actually Yisrael. It's a compound word, and it's a, it describes humans, or Yish in, in Hebrew, um, who survive, who, who wrestle with uh, evil. That word Raz is evil in Hebrew, and survive and thrive by holding on to El, which we know is Elohim. So the very word itself, Israel, speaks to Yisrael. And uh, so as an individual who wrestles daily with evil, I hold on to the word and take great encouragement from its messages, like this one. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. That's from uh, Paul's letter, first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 10, verse 11. And uh, so again, just yet another message. As we're going forward, we need to be looking to the past. We need to be studying what happened in Scripture to the previous people that were on, on a walk. We think we're unique. We think we're in a unique spot in, in history. We're really not. There's a lot of people that went through similar walks, but it was a walk for their time, mm -hmm. and it fit their conditions. So these are things for us to... Uh, keep in mind in, in our uh, Bibles and awesome reference source, uh, what you're seeing um, when I'll, I'll be putting up a number of passages here. When you see a passage, it's coming from the New King James Version of the Bible, which I like. I, like, I didn't use any apocryphal books in this presentation, but I do want to point that out, that don't overlook the apocryphal books that appeared in the 1611 King James Version. Um, these have since been taken out of the canon um, by, for who knows really what reasons, uh, yeah, yeah, deal with that. But uh, I just want you to be aware of it. There are other books that are available to us and to, to read that. Um, I also will use Strong's Concordance, uh, dip, another dictionary I'll, I'll rely upon is Thayer's Greek Lexicon. And uh, I do want to give credit to uh, a book that Obadiah, Pastor Obadiah wrote, it's called The Word from the King. If you haven't picked this book up, find a copy of it and, and spend some time studying. Because it really, he identified over a hundred um, commandments from Yahushua that um, are in our scripture, but they're just not taught very often. And this, this study today will go into a, a, one of the commandments that he gave. I also want to uh, alert you. I think most of you may know about this, but if you don't know, check out the, the teaching video website that's located on YouTube. There are some incredible um, teachings from Obadiah. I think it go all the way back to 2014. And you say, wow, that was a long time ago. Didn't he come a long ways? I am astounded every time I go back even that far how relevant his teachings were and how inspired. So um, there's probably 400 of them on there 911 <laughs> I got the I got the latest update and and it grows uh, by the week some of them are from Jory and I you'll find a few of ours in there but I strongly encourage you to to uh, on any topic in scripture I mean it's it's uh, whatever uh, lights you up at the moment whatever's troubling you go back and just see if uh, if scripture didn't talk about it yeah. Obadiah has uh, identified it now, this Bible study series is going to be on uh, the end-time warnings, we call them. And it begins in Revelation 
1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The revelation of Yahushua, Messiah, which Elohim gave him to show his servants things which must take uh, must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of Elohim and to the testimony of Yahushua, Messiah, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and who heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. It's the last verse there. I, I want to call your attention to that, uh, to the bolded words there, reads, hear, and heed. Um, again, it's just a tip. I'll share it with you. You can do what you want with it. But I, I read scripture aloud uh, to myself and anybody else in the home that might hear me uh, while I'm reading it. But the, I'm doing it for, because I, I want a double blessing. I can see that I, I get a blessing for reading it, but I'm also viewing myself as one who's hearing my own words coming back around into my ear. So um, I'm, I'm looking for a double blessing when I'm reading Scripture. Yes, it will slow you down. Guaranteed it's going to be a slower process in reading the Word. But, and so if you're into speed reading, this is not the route to go. But if you want to seek a double blessing, maybe I'll take a little bit of time and and do that reading. Finally, there's, there's a triple blessing in here. It says, who heed the things which are written in it. So, you can, there's another way to get the blessing. Whatever is being spoken in that word, if we're heeding what's written in it, there's another blessing for us. And this group certainly knows um, how that applies in their life and our life. That end time warning resumes with a message of grace and peace. I'll share it here. It's uh, Revelation 1, verses 4 through 5. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Yahushua, Messiah, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. I want to just pause a little bit because um, there's some new um, people being introduced there. But you can see where it's talking about. It, this is a message of grace and peace. It's coming to John. So, and it's come, but who's this message coming from? I want you to think about that. It goes, it, there's, there's actually three entities that I'm seeing there. From him who is, who was, and who is to come. I'm, I'm seeing that as Yahuwah Elohim. The Father, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Yahushua, Messiah. Here's the third one. What's special about Messiah? This group knows he was a faithful witness. He was a faithful witness to his heavenly Father. See the connection coming back on up? He was the firstborn from the dead, and he's the ruler over the kings of this earth. I thought that was pretty cool. And then I saw this picture and I decided to add it. I don't know if it's a picture or a photograph, but I thought it was so neat to see a flame, a fire in the shape of a heart. And uh, I want to share a passage with you. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Elohim, and the Word was Elohim. He was in the beginning with Elohim. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made 
that was made in him was light, and the light was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Got one more passage to share for you. When Yeshua came to earth, Luke recorded uh, this about his arrival in chapter 1, verse 79. Messiah, Yahushua, came to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So, I want you to, to just picture the light, the pictures of light that we're seeing both in, uh, in the passages here um, and what Yeshua, we know Yeshua is light, right? And what does uh, darkness stand for? Ignorance. Praise God. So he came to, to dispel the ignorance. He came to reveal his heavenly father. He was a faithful witness to his heavenly father. That's what this is. He, he, that was his purpose. And his purpose was, didn't just end 2,000 years ago. He's still speaking to us, yes. too. And we're seeing it through our scriptures, through the word. Now, John received the vision to enlighten Yahushua's churches. I'm picking this one up from Revelation 1, 9 through 11. So continuing on in the Revelation. I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Yahushua Messiah, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of Elohim and the testimony of Yahushua Messiah. I was in the spirit on Adonai's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it on to the seven churches, which are in Asia, onto Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thuadera, Sardis, Philadelphia, and onto Laodicea. Now this is where those churches were located back in those times. We're reading it out of the book of uh, Revelation. thought this was a neat picture. I always like pictures. Capture a thousand words here. And you can see the uh, location of each of those churches to each other. Now when Obadiah talked about this chapter, he said he thought that that kind of looked like uh, a boot. Can you see a boot there? I can see a little boot. It's a little pointed toe boot, maybe, on the end there. Yeah. But it, it's got the boot-shaped figure. And uh, so I could see it. And, uh, and Obadiah says, well, that uh, to him was speaking about a walk of righteousness. Being an old coach, one of the things whenever I got the boot out, I used the boot to kick uh, some, some of the players in the butt to get them to perform better. So... This message, and this is a series, we're going to get into this a little bit, but some of these uh, messages that we'll read about are, uh, to me, like a kick in the rear end to some of these churches that they need to get back on track. Yeah. They're starting to drift off. And we're going to talk about it, but that's not the purpose of today's meeting. We're, we're going to just, I just want to tee this up a little bit for you and, and give you a, a background on what's happening. Also, it showed a neat map. It showed Patmos there. And I want you to, to see what's pretty close. John, and that's an island. 
John was on that, but he wasn't just uh, sunning himself on some beach. He was in prison in, in an island called Patmos. And, um, and I liked the way he was speaking. Um, he's a brother, and he's a companion in tribulation. So any of you ever feel like you're being uh, tribulated on and you're, you're going through some tough times, you might be in the right spot. It could be something that Yah's working out. Now, I'm not saying you want to stay there, but um, and it's understandable you want to move out from a tribulation. Well, it isn't always bad. It is a blessing. So, so count your blessings if you're being, especially for the word of Yah. Because, in fact, he says, that, look, why was he getting tribulated? It was for the word of Elohim. That's what put him in prison and for testifying of Yahushua Messiah. So if you get into some trials and tribulations from doing that, from reading the word of, of Elohim and doing it, or for testifying about what you know about the Messiah, again pointing to the word as your, your support, then you do have a reason to be glad. So those are the, uh, we'll continue on. There's also some mysterious aspects about John's vision that are revealed. Then I turned to see the words that I was speaking, that was speaking with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as, as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. That's out of Revelation 1, verses 12 through 18. So we're just continuing on with the, the lead into the, the message to the seven churches. And I want to put up for this group to contemplate what we're reading there and what we're seeing and picturing now in our heads. Matthew 13, 11 captures the essence of it because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. I want you to recognize how truly special Yah feels you are, each and every one of you, that you are uh, beginning to uh, learn about mysteries. These mysteries, another word for that is parables. What the parable there is, he's describing things that are in physical words, but there's a divine message behind them. There's a, there's, it's about the kingdom of Elohim. So what John is revealing here in a physical way is the best way he can, the only way he can do it. He is a physical being. He's trying to relate it. But I want you to recognize, because there's many people that say, well, this is just an allegory, never happened and there's nothing here, uh, just move along, just move along from that, there's, there's nothing for you to, but I'm telling you, we could spend probably several weeks just going over this little passage here, and we're going to keep it moving, but I want you to, uh, to, 
to see all the different aspects there. And we're going to get into some of it here because part of John's mysterious vision, he explains it. So it is clear. Revelation 1, 19 through 20. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So I want you to just ponder a little bit about what um, John is revealing here, that angels are lights and that um, they were in Yeshua's right hand, yet seven of them, and that these angels are also one for each of those churches. And we know of many angels throughout Scripture. There, there's different stories of them. And in fact, the response, whenever anyone sees an angel or Yeshua in or Elohim, Yahuwah, in this kind of format, they fall right to the ground. They're flattened. And um, I want you to um, keep that in mind. Uh, but it's right from the beginning we learn about Elohim made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day, it's the sun. And the lesser light to rule the night, the stars also. So these lights, what happens when the sun comes up? The darkness dispels. In fact, it, it's brilliantly dispelled. You're probably noticing it even now, how wonderful it is in the morning to finally start seeing that sun pop up and drive out this uh, long winter darkness. I, for one, am very happy. This was a long winter for me. I don't know why, but I'm very thrilled that we're getting into more sunlight. And so, I mean, again, a physical picture of a, of a principle of, of the divine kingdom. And these lesser lights, well, you know, we did have some starlit nights, and it is impressive. You go out there and you see, it looks like millions of stars out there for us. And they also were created by Yah, and they really do brighten the, brighten the, the night. But they don't light it like the sun. I also found this passage in Corinthians 15, I think it's 1 Corinthians 40, verses 40 and 41. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. I want you to think about that, too. What, we, we can recognize that there are stars of different um, um, brightness when you're looking out there. Yah also created that. And what did he say his stars represent? Those are his angels. So there are some very powerful angels that he created for our earth. And he gave um, uh, an angel to each of those churches that were in those cities in Asia. You don't have to look very hard. You can see some of the bad angels around, too, in our, in our world. There's always um, two sides to this picture. So if you're looking, say, oh, boy, our, this, this city sure seems like they're under a, a horrible demonic-type influence. Well, if there's these heavenly angels, these good angels, call them, there's also the bad angels out there, too. 
People don't see that. I've always thought that that's one of Satan's greatest tricks. He's, he's got people convinced he doesn't even exist. Mm. He does. Another part of John's mysterious vision is explained. I think I'm just going to hit the highlights here. Uh, it's Revelation 1.20. And this one comes out of the King James Version. And the mystery of the seven stars which you sauced in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks which you saw are the seven churches. We found this. It's an interesting picture of the seven churches in Revelation. Now what's missing in this picture? The churches are... are anybody see it? No candlesticks. They're hidden. Where are they? They get chopped off there. But I like the light, and I put them on there. Now, um, why didn't I put a picture of a menorah? There was all kinds of pictures of menorahs. Nine candle ones, seven candle ones. Why didn't I pick that? Anybody imagine why I didn't? Because they're all, it's one candlestick. Like the, the menorahs I saw was one candlestick. Why do you think I put candlesticks up here that I like this translation instead of the lampstands? This one's probably more personal for me. Whenever I get a picture of a lampstand, I think of the, the lampstand in my living room with a lamp on it. So this is, this is an older version of this translation. It's a candlestick. That's, that's how they, the lamps in the ancient days really were, were candlesticks. So I just thought that this was more relevant um, picture of what um, John was speaking to us about. And then also, there's a little quote there, you can file this one away. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In fact, the name of this series is going to be uh, Those with an Ear, May They Hear. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For it is the Elohim who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of Elohim in the face of Yahushua Messiah. So I want you to get the picture that we've been looking at as we've been going through this um, revelation. Elohim shone as a light. In his right hand were lights. The churches are to be lights. We're to be lights. That's what Corinthians is talking about there on an individual basis. So, again, I, I like sports. I used to run relays and track, and we'd always hand off the baton. Well, the picture I want you to see is Elohim is light. We know that. That's scriptural. But he also created angels who are lights. He holds them in his hand. And he dispatches them out to his churches, who are also lights. And the churches are made up of lights as individuals. So this is, you're, we're passing Yah's light on to whomever. Yeah. We're supposed to shine in the darkness, the ignorance of this world. So consider also that the church candlesticks, or lampstands if you prefer, are golden. Highlighted right there in Revelation 120. And there they are. I found I did find a nice picture of lights, candle, golden candlestick. I also found this from Peter, and I want you to think about what Peter's sharing. 
1 Peter 1, 6-9. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Yeshua Messiah, to whom, having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I thought that was an awesome passage from Peter that he was sharing with us. He didn't write this for people. I mean, he wrote it for people long ago. But I want you to, to, to get these messages because they're really relevant to us. And, and the, the gold, um, there's nothing in Scripture that is just uh, uh, thrown in uh, gratuitously. That gold reference to the candlesticks is critical. It's important that we recognize that. That we also want to be thought to be a precious metal like gold. And the only way you get gold is you actually have to put it under fire. You have to get that dross out of it. You have to go through some trials. That's how they uh, make gold. Then they hammer it. It gets beaten into that shape. It doesn't just flop out uh, like some uh, maybe in the evolutionary world believe. You know, everything just kind of fell together. No, these things don't happen that way. It takes a, a, a creative designer who's hammering each and every one of us. We want to be that goal. We want to go through those trials, especially when it's for the word of Yah. Why? Salvation of our souls. That's the end of our faith. That's the end of that road that we are walking along, each individually. Now, who is this end-time warning for? Anybody know? Want to take a guess on this one? End time believers, that's you're, you're not what I was looking for. You got to, got to where we're going to go. Pardon me? The ecclesia. You got it. You can even use the Greek word. There it is. That's the answer. It's the churches. Okay. And uh, that picture you're seeing there, that, that one in the background is a temple. But the forefront there, that's the church. And look what uh, the church is defined in Scripture. It's a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into a public place, an assembly. Those hoping for eternal salvation through the Messiah. It's coming out of Thayer's Greek lexicon. And um, many people, you know, they get uh, caught up in that word church. They're always thinking building. This group wants us to be thinking ecclesia, okay, a gathering of people. And it's nothing new. This was actually around uh, even in uh, earlier in Scripture, as we find in Joshua 8.35. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, with the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. It's not just the guys, the young men, includes the women, includes the children, and even the strangers who want to want to walk this walk with us. It's meant to be inclusive. Acts 19.39 And if you have any other inquiry to make, 
it shall be determined in the lawful assembly. This is where they conducted business. This is, and when I'm talking about business, I'm talking about Yah's business. This is uh, questions about scripture. How should they be living? What do they need to be doing? This is where they, they it wasn't inside some building. That, in fact, that, that, I think that's the Ephesian temple right there. The ones inside there were totally different from those people that are outside of them. Maybe some of them went inside there. But they didn't stay in there for long, I suspect. Not if they were true members of the Ecclesia. So this end time message is for Messiah's disciples in modern day churches or assemblies or congregations or whatever uh, term you want to uh, that resonates with you. And indeed it is for those who have ears. May they hear. Scripture advises us in 2 Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to Elohim, a worker who does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. That's why we're studying the word. That's why we're trying to understand it. We do it as a group. I encourage you to do it individually as well. And, and ask those questions of Yah. I can't tell you how many times I would ask a question. And you know how Yah would answer my question? All of a sudden I'd be thumbing through the book and there was my answer. I, I probably could not tell you how many times that happens. Test them on it. See if he'll do it for you. In Ephesians 5, 8 through 11. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in Yahuwah. Walk as children of light for the fruit of the Spirit, Ha-Ruach, and all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to Yahuwah. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Yep, this is going to at times feel like a, a lonely walk to you. But think about what that last passage is saying. It's a lonely walk because look who you used to fellowship with. You were with people that really didn't understand Yah's point. It's just it wasn't their time. But you, he's calling into the light. He's opening things up for you. But what that means is he doesn't want us backsliding into the darkness. The, the happy heathens, as we like to refer to them sometimes. But um, yes, it may look happy, but we know where the real vision of happiness yes. is. It's at the end of that road. So I do want to give you a, a warning this time. The way of Yahuwah can be treacherous. You say, where did that come from? Find it in Acts 22, verse 4. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women. Who said that? Anybody know? Paul. Yes. This is the, 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 the man who's left us most of the New Testament in writing. He was persecuting to the death. He was killing believers in the way. And those that he didn't kill, he shackled them up and sent them into prison. So again, don't go into this blindly. Count the cost of this. This is not necessarily for the faint of heart. But with Yah, you don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious. But just recognize it's going to be tough on the flesh. We're not, we're children of light. We're called to be children of spirit. I want to end on that note.
It's going to rejoice. The way of Yahuwah has an unimaginable ending. Find that in 1 Corinthians 2.9. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which Elohim has prepared for those who love him. So it's a, a, again, there is a good ending to this. If you're willing to sacrifice your flesh, and it's going to be painful. I mean, if, if Elohim's son was put up on a torture state, beaten, murdered, just harangued with the verbal onslaught, I mean, if that happened to Elohim, what makes us think it's not going to happen to us? And in fact, I would say, if your life is real hunky-dory, everything's just so cool, I'm blessed, I'm wonderfully blessed, then you might want to ask yourself, and just ask yourself, are you on the right road? Are you heading back the wrong way on that road? That divided highway we're looking at? Again, this is an individual walk. This is not Kurt's walk. This is not Obadiah's walk. It's not even Bet Yeshurun's walk. It's each of us need to be watching where we're going. The way of Yahuwah is a future worth our seeking. In the Hebrew scriptures, that's the Old Testament, that word way that I've highlighted there appears as Derek. H1178 appears over 700 times in the, in the Old Testament. Do you think our Father wants us to know what that word means? It's a road and a course of life in the Bible. In the Greek language, the word for way is hodos. That's G3598 in the Strong's. And that word is translated nearly 100 times as way. In the, in the King James Apostolic Scriptures or the New Testament. You think our Father wants us to know what that word means? It's a journey and a highway that implies we're progressing along a certain route. It also has a metaphorical meaning that describes a course of conduct, a manner of thinking, a feeling, and of deciding. I want you to consider where that way can lead us. You see it right there in Revelation 2.7. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of Elohim. Remember where we read about that? Your scriptures? Right here, right at the very beginning. Genesis chapter 3, verse 24. So he drove out the man. And he placed cherubim, angels, at the east end of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword, remember that sword that he was holding in his mouth, which turned every way to guard the way, Derek, to the tree of life. The way has been around from the very beginning. We've lost our way. We've forgotten how to walk along that way. No way to get on that way and stay on that way is we got to stay in the Word. We got to keep reading Scripture. We got to keep talking about its meaning. And again, it's not for everybody. He's revealing it on 
to those that, that have an ear to hear, or they have an eye to see, they have a softened heart where they want to receive what, what's being inscribed on their hearts. Most of all, he's looking for people that will unstiffen their neck and yield unto his will and way. That wraps it up. Uh, I want to encourage you not to be afraid to ask questions, both in, in this assembly, of Obadiah, uh, especially while you're seeking the way of Yahuwah. If it's about the way of Yahuwah, and, it, and um, you may not always get an answer immediately. You may not even get an answer you want to hear. That's okay. We use the scripture to answer. That's one of the things I like about that Yesharun. That has always attracted me. This group relies on the word as it's 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 definitive way of deciding questions. And in Matthew seven seven, beautifully captured in a verse, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened to you. That's where I'll end up for today. Yeah. Yeah.